Hello, friend. It's friend here. So let's see, last time we looked at Genesis 1 and we saw the basics of the power and the first um, good order, our first introduction to sanity and order and blessing and making the formless and void, the shapeless and purposeless into form, function, beauty, and purpose, right? So here we are in Genesis 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. So that's it. That's the entire creation process from a geographical or geological or cosmological standpoint. That's all he wants us to know about it. He made it. That's the big takeaway there. He made it. That's what we need to know. Other than that, you're just fighting about details that aren't described, so we don't need to worry about them. <laughs> so, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done. The seventh day, oh, the seventh perfect day. We will hear so much about this perfect Sabbath seventh day. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, made it holy, set apart for a purpose. Because on it, God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. So he blesses life and he blesses the seventh day. Those are the only things that he puts his blessing on. Life and the seventh day and the rest. And, and what I love about this is that it tells me I don't have to do it. I, a, I can't do it. But B, I can contribute to it six days a week. I can contribute to this project of God's creation and sustaining grace. But I don't have to do it all. I cannot do it all. And I am commanded not to try to do it all. I am commanded to rest on the seventh day. He did it. I can do it. The world's not going to fall apart if I take a day off. This is really important. I spent most of my life as a workaholic, and um, it got me. It got me straight to Egypt. Is where it got me. <laughs> that's what. That's what they do in Egypt. That's called slave labor. This is what sets us apart in God's creation from everyone else. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. And this heading now for me says another account of creation. Sometimes people take that to mean that there's a um, conflict or a disconnect or no, it's just, it's like another shot in a movie. So right now we have chapter one is like from way, way, way out in space, pan way out. And then it starts to pan in closer, zooming ever closer into this planet, this piece of land, this garden, these people. So we've gone from a big wide scope to a small scope. That's all that's happened. And in the day the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth and no herb of the field had yet sprung up the lord god had not created it to rain upon the earth and there was no one to till the ground so he's the earth is it's there it's ready 
but it, it hasn't been really put into its purposeful motion yet. And he's about to do that. He's about to make somebody who will till the ground. And for me, because he's going to make us out of dust and he's going to ask us to work on that garden, I think what he's asking us is to work on ourselves perpetually, forever, till this ground that you were made of. Work on a better place, work on a better you, work on a better community, work on a better garden. But the stream, but a stream would rise from the earth, so a, a little representation of God would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathes into his nostrils his holy breath, the breath of the life. And the man became a living being. So when we have dust and water and breath, we have life, which will be important because he's going to take two of those three things away from the serpent. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden. And the, the word Eden means luxury, beauty. It, it's this luxury garden that this is heaven on earth. In the east. The east is the new dawn. That's where the sun rises every morning. This is the new dawn. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and for good food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was also there. So you've got all of this wonderful food, one tree that can help you live forever, and one that is discernment or choice, knowing what's good and what's bad, and letting that be God's to control. He and maybe Lady Wisdom will know what goes on in this uh, tree, but we're not to take it because it has evil in it. If it was just good, we could take it. Everything else that he gave us is just good, but this one has evil in it. Don't eat the evil. <laughs> a river flows out of the Eden, out of Eden. So here we have not just a stream, but a bigger representation of God flowing out of the luxury garden to water the garden. So his presence is going to water the garden of Eden. And from it, from there, it divides and becomes four branches. So four branches can go theoretically in four directions, right? It's going to cover everything. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one that flows around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. So what he's saying, if you do a rabbit hole deep dive into this, is this first branch flows around Havilah, which is the Hebrew word for the seat of civilization. So his presence flows around the seat of civilization, and there's gold. The properties of gold is that it's beautiful, it doesn't corrupt or corrode, and it's very malleable. It can be shaped, and it can be, it's a fabulous conductor of energy. So this is meant to um, conduct brilliant things brilliantly. And the gold of that land is good. Bedlium and onyx stone are also there. The only thing that I could find about those is that they're very similar in appearance to the manna, which is the food that he will give us to sustain us later. So those things are all present in this area. The name of the second river is Gihon. 
it is the one that follows around the whole land of Cush. So the land of Cush is basically Egypt, um, not just Egypt, Africa in general, I think. It's, the, it's going that direction, and it's um, what the people of Egypt call themselves. It's the people of darkness. don't think that that... I, I would never, never, never say that as a political blanket statement that the people of Africa are dark in a symbolic way. I, I think that they meant that their skin is dark. That's my take on it. Um, but anyway, that's like a whole side hole that doesn't need to be gone into. It's just, it just means that it flows around Africa. And the name of the third river is Tigris, which flows east of Assyria, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. <coughs> those, those are all rabbit holes. We don't need to go down there. The Lord God took a man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and to keep it. So what is our purpose as, as people? To till the ground and to keep it. That's our purpose. Keep it simple, people. Keep it simple. And the Lord God commanded the man, here we go, a commandment of what to eat. You may freely eat of every tree in the garden. All of this stuff is yours. You can have all of this. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. Don't eat the tree with the evil in it, dummy. It's poisonous. Don't do that. For in the day that you eat of it, you'll die. You'll die if you eat the evil poison. Don't do that. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. Um, so backing up just a little bit here, I think it's hilarious to me that we get this one tiny little rule. We're given all of this, uh, the keys to the kingdom as it were, and but you got to put the right gas in it. Don't put diesel in a gas engine. And we're like, what? That's not fair. I don't like that rule. No, dummy, don't put diesel in a gas engine or vice versa. <laughs> don't, don't eat the evil, okay? Just don't do it. It's not a bad command. Then the Lord said, God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. No, nobody likes to be lonely. That's why I'm here with you on this podcast right now. I don't want to be lonely. I don't want you to be lonely. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. So in Hebrew, the names, you'll see this in the human names and the, the location names, but also the animal names are all naming the essence of something. So he had to spend enough time in this garden with each of these animals to come up with their names. So for an example, the name of a dog in Hebrew is Kelev, and Kelev means like-hearted. So dogs are very similar in heart to us, and I think what God wants from us as humans to be like dogs' hearts, which is that we just come bounding with joy and happiness every time we're called. My dogs do that. <laughs> they're, they're just so happy to see me every single time and I give them food and they give me kisses back and it's wonderful and that's that's Caleb. So this is what Adam is doing right now. He is getting to know every single animal well enough that he can give them a name that describes their character. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. So we've got a lot of buy-in now. When you name something, you have a completely different 
association to it. You, you have connected your heart to it when you name it. The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for the man, there was not found a helper as his partner. So I am literally a farmer and I uh, love, 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 love animals, but they cannot be my partner. I cannot get my dog to drive me to the hospital if I need to go, no matter how much she would love to, her little feet cannot reach the pedals. Um, they're not our helpers, they are our companions, but they're not our helpers, So the, or partners. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. So this is a painless procedure. This is not something that he rips Adam apart while he's still awake. That's not what's happening. It's a painless procedure. He took one of the ribs and closed up its place with flesh. So what does a rib do? It protects your heart and your air. It, it protects your emotional space and your breathing space. And, and with that breath, you can make words. So this is where at Eve comes from, from his heart. He, he, the rib is a protection of the heart. That's what Eve is to Adam. That's what Adam is to Eve. And he closed up the place. He didn't leave a void there. He closed that up. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. She's a gift. And now he says, Adam says to the woman, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman for out of man, this one was taken. So he sees her as a gift, as a part of himself, as bone of his bones and flesh of his flesh. This little indentation that it has here signifies that it's a little tiny poem. This is Adam's first words about his wife, that she is a part of him, that she's taken from him and given to him as a gift. That's really beautiful. Therefore, a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, as in, you can x-ray me and see right through me and everything is okay because they're not ashamed. But this one flesh, I, this it finally dawned on me that this is why you don't hear women uh, related or uh, referred to that often in the Bible as individuals because they are under the umbrella of either their father or their husband, which in our modern American sensibilities is cringy. But really, I love being under... <laughs> that might sound a little funny. I love being under my husband. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> But I, I love that when I, when I think of certain couples that I know are happily married, I think of one, I think of the other. I think of this one, I think of that one. And they're a pair. And that feels right. When you're with the right person, that feels good. And it doesn't mean that the two people are not wonderful individuals, but it means that they are not alone. And I think that's what we 
so this is the solution to the problem that that was recognized in the beginning of this that the man was alone and he needed a helper and a partner and I cannot uh, get my dog to drive me to the hospital but I can get my husband to drive me to the hospital <laughs> and if I don't have a husband I'm still okay but I just know from my own experience and my friends' experiences and all of the dating sites that are out there, there is a hole in your heart if you don't have your mate. And I think that this is God's solution to that problem, that even though animals are wonderful for us as partners, it's like God. we're God's partners but we're not as equals by any stretch of the imagination I he loves us like I love my dog but we're not equals right so so again he's he's separating things here of what uh, into different categories of uh, God angel which we haven't seen yet animal plant human sorry my dog's about to go crazy here uh, animal, plant, human, partner, love. So I'm going to stop that because these guys are about to go crazy. But anyway, um, that's the end of chapter two, and we'll start next time with chapter three.